Hello and welcome back to UNE Gaming Society on 106.9 Tune FM. It is good to be back. I'm your host for the night, Blake Green, and I am with Kate. Hi. Patrick. Good to be back. And Adam. Hello again. Uh, you may recognize the last two as guest stars on the MTG special near the end of last year, Magic the Gathering, for those who can't remember. But Kate here is a new addition as our new secretary for the committee. She is now waving at the microphone. <laughs> so, do we have anything to start tonight off with, guys? Well, I mean, it's been a long couple of months since we've actually reported on anything, and a lot has happened. Oh, um, yeah, there's the releases of the new-gen consoles. Uh, there was a, the Nintendo Direct a couple days ago. Lots to talk about, lots to talk about. Um, I think one of the things that has been most anticipated to ever be talked about and has probably been covered was the release of Cyberpunk. Oh, Cyberpunk 2077. So, what, Adam, I've heard you've played the game. What's your take on it? Uh, I haven't gone very far, unfortunately. I only just met Keanu Reeves slash Johnny. But uh, so far it's been good. It's been good. Uh, a lot of action adventure. Driving's a bit of a pain. But it gets a bit iffy around certain people because <laughs> they, <laughs> they bug. <laughs> Have you found any particularly hilarious glitches along the way? Uh, I found one that makes your clothes invisible by mistake, so you look like Ken, like the Ken doll. <laughs> Come on, Bobby, let's go party. That's what it felt like. <laughs> um, apart from that, I've had a few people go into the floor up to their head then float back up, so it's just pathing issues. I must go. The console needs me. <laughs> um, but would you say that a lot of the criticism it's received be justified? Um, uh, I haven't encountered any game-breaking, but I think most of the, the issues that have happened around game-breaking bugs, I haven't encountered any yet, so I can't offer an opinion on them, but so far it's been pretty good, and I don't think it gets as bad a rap as it should. Yeah. I think it's gotten a bad, too much of a bad rap. I guess it's just because it took so long to develop, and they kept promising the reason it took so long was, we're going to make it polished, it's going to be flawless. And then it came out as a buggy mess. Um, question, actually, Adam. How long after release did you get and play the game? Oh, when did it release? <laughs> uh, I will check that. Because I got it four weeks ago, I think. Oh, uh, so a solid bit after release. About halfway between now and release. Yeah. It was released in December of 2010. Ah, Wait, so hang on. Hmm? <laughs> yes, Kate? Wait. Oh, sorry. I think I misheard. Uh, the game was released in December of 2010, and Adam didn't get it till four weeks ago, so... 2020? December 10th, 2020. There Shush. we go. <laughs> yeah, don't... My I brain, was on the ball. No, I think it was originally... From Cyberpunk, because it just glitched. <laughs> I think the original release date was supposed to be 2010, but we all know yeah. how that went. <laughs> but, um... Yeah, so most of the worst glitches were probably already patched out by the time you got your hands on it, Adam. Yeah, thankfully. So it's not as bad of a mess, but it's it. the bugs are just present enough that it makes it funny, it not feel, annoying. It sounds Skyrim-ish. Yeah, yeah, it's on that level. Yeah. The glitch compilations <laughs> I've seen have mostly been of the funny ones, like cars getting launched sideways at high <laughs> speeds into buildings yeah. by um, police. Uh, I saw a video of one them. of a guy on a bike 
He's going over. He's got. He's off roading. He's what you do in a game. You just go to the destination. <laughs> he hits someone. They go in the air. He goes in the air. He hits him with the back of the bike and just goes backwards. <laughs> so he gets the momentum off them in the middle of the air. Somewhere <laughs> over the rainbow. <laughs> is Physics sucks. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, where's you bringing up Skyrim? I think one of the biggest issues that cyberpunk has received is simply its marketing because they kept making so many big promises mm-hmm. and then they came out breaking those promises whereas people like bethesda people will you know yell at them and pan them but they'll never call them out for breaking promises because no one expects them to keep them in the first place <laughs> not just that they never promise yeah like mm-hmm. optimization they just promise Again. A fun game. And it, it is yeah. fun. <laughs> the worst I've seen Bethesda get panned for anything is probably 76. Yeah. Fallout 76. So, uh, have you heard much about Fallout 76, Kate? I've heard a bit, but I could do with a refresher. So, Fallout as a series started off as a real-time strategy, or was it turn-based? It was a strategy Real-time. So it was a top-down, real-time strategy game. It was an RPG. Oh, RPG but adventure. Like it, um, it was like how um, most Bioware games started off, in which you would wander around, but then as soon as it came to combat, it would pause, and you would choose how to act in ah. the combat. Oh, okay, my nice. No worries. Uh, but then it was taken over by Bethesda, or one of its sub-companies, and that's when you got Fallout, Fallout 3. Thank you, Pat. <laughs> um, and that was more the fair you'd see from Elder Scrolls Oblivion, Skyrim, that sort of thing. Mm. Which led up to Fallout New Vegas, which is generally regarded as one as the best of the Fallouts. Mainly because it was actually produced by Obsidian Games. There we are. And then it was Fallout 4, which was a... It sort of went back towards the Skyrim <coughs> sort of formula. Yeah. And then there's Fallout 76, which was a MMO ver- version. Yeah, I remember. With no human NPCs. And absolutely ah. tanked because of it. Mm. Yeah. And it's also a buggy, unreliable mess of nothing but microtransactions when they oh. promised there would be none. That's not good. And they promised there would be no pay-for-a-subscription format, and yet the subscription they eventually brought in, Fallout First, was about $100. Oh, that's not good. I think one Not of the most really. trickiest things to deal with in this industry is promises. Mm. Yeah. Mm. But then you can't you can't not promise anything either. You have to you have to find that balance between not giving people things that much to expect and getting to balancing their expectations with yeah. what they're actually going to get. I, I always find that maybe people should take it like the, the Doom approach to 2016 Doom. <laughs> like what happened there was the tech demo. It's like, this is what we're trying to give you guys. And everyone was like, this is garbage. And yet then on release, what we got was something that greatly exceeded our expectations. I think a lot of game companies should promise us things to the lowest of their abilities. Yeah, that's probably the yeah. safest bet rather than what Diablo did, which was promise a new game and then made a phone game for it. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, another company that I think could probably benefit from that, set the bar low so you, there's nothing you can do but exceed it thing, is probably, honestly, Digital Extremes. 
Oh boy, digital extremes, Warframe. How how many snafus has gone on in that uh, mess? L- luckily, there's been no like major PR fumbles that I've seen. Mostly just holy hell, this update needed way more polish. I think that's just most updates and releases on Warframe. Uh, yeah. As much as I enjoyed the game, um, it can be a bit shoved out there. Yeah, Empyrean was probably their biggest snafu, and they've never quite hit that low since because they pushed the Railjack update out with the Game Awards. It was not ready for release, but they wanted to have something come out for the Game Awards that year. I, I think that's another thing that we have to be considerate of is that, like, while we as people, we have our own days and times and our own schedules, for gaming companies, there are big events like the Game Awards in which they do have to crunch and push forward towards. Yeah. And I'm not an advocate for crunch time. It's mm. it's a very bad practice in a lot of things, but sometimes there are moments in which people do need to leg it. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of some other like similar stories of like crunch or things being tried to be pushed out for events. And all I'm thinking is Anthem. The first hmm. <laughs> gameplay demo of Anthem that showed a really fun movement system with jetpacks and mech suits. Sort of Warframe. I was about way. to say, didn't we just talk about Warframe? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> um, well, they showed this brilliant Anthem trailer to the world at E3. Meanwhile, the programmers are like, also, oh, that's the game we're meant to be making. Because they didn't <laughs> oh, no. know yet. It hadn't been started. Really? I never knew that. No, like, they had nothing to work with apart so from the name. So how long did they have to cram this together then after the trailer? They popped out the game in under a year and a half, I think. Mm. And that's why it still sucks to this day. Though they are trying to pull a No Man's Sky. Mm. Uh, to yes. be honest, as crappy as it was, I'm genuinely impressed that they managed to cobble something together like that. That's that's, that's kind of impressive. Bad practice, but impressive. Yeah. Um, Honestly, I think that's probably a... We're probably um, at the edge of where we should be for our first section today. So the next song up right now is Deluded by Kate Miller-Heidke. I, I don't know how to pronounce that name. We apologize to anyone of that in language <laughs> that we butchered the last name. Yeah, I, I apologize sincerely. We are not uh, linguists. This has been UNE Gaming Society We're on gamers. 106.9 Tune FM. 40 stories up, it's night and day. Never met, but I could guess your name. Said you reminded me of home And all of that time we barely spoke So lessons learned can quickly be erased Pouring forties down the kitchen sink All your talking, I can't hear me think Pushing, pulling, seize me on the Now that I'm on the run I think I got it wrong really all along You were just a masterpiece Masterpiece Chewing on Valium The jet is taking off I can feel the rust spreading It's a killer disease Killer disease To say it would hurt too much So a boy I let down Bottle it up and drink it like a remedy 
gonna let you in Now there's a lot to tell you, so listen I was keeping you out cause I've been hurt before Becoming a coward and I hate myself more I'm not proud, looking back now I had to run Now that I'm on the run
Hello and welcome back to UNE Gaming Society Radio on 106.9 Tune FM. We are back from the break with a brand new topic for the session. This time, a topic of video game writing and some of its missteps or otherwise faltering moments versus a few bastions of story writing, even if sometimes the gameplay would suffer. Pat, you wanted to start us off with this one? Well, I was actually reminded when you brought up Fallout 76, in recent news, a seven-year-old game, or maybe even older, Fallout New Vegas... I will check the release date while you talk. Um, it actually had, an, it had a, um, a mod released for it, actually, a very large-scale project. And much like Cyberpunk, long development, seven years, and it was known as Fallout Frontier. And... From what I've seen, and I've watched a few video essays on the matter, um, the gameplay was fantastic. The mechanics that they implemented into such an old engine was uh, okay. amazing. 19th of October, 2010. So it is a 11-year-old game. Yeah, 11-year-old, um, 2010. 10 to it's 11. a 9-year-old game. 10-year-old game. 11-year-old game. We'll say 20... 10 to 11. Mm. Yes, 10 and to 11. The it's not 11 yet, it's just over 10. Just over 10, anyway. Split the dish. So, um, they've implemented all these cool things. However, I'm looking at some of the story, and it's a garbage fire. And not only is it just bad writing, it's a lot of plagiarism, a lot of... Oh. There's, there's such a thing as taking inspiration... And then there's moments of I'm outright stealing something. Like, there are jokes about, like, oh, we're basically just ripping off Modern Warfare at this point or Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. Like, a lot of the writing in that aspect of the main narrative plot was there. And also, not just the matter of content, but also the matter of ordering. If anyone's watched a really good movie, the pacing is fine, the themes and the energy is always on a nice slope whereas frontier it i will say it um one of the first missions you ever do you go off into space to a space station and then you're fighting like robot nazis and it's like whoa this is really zanny and wild this is like wolfen style stuff <laughs> and then you end up having to be in a horror like maze much akin to um Amnesia, Dark Descent, and you're like, um, bit of a tone shift, but okay. And now it goes into a psychological horror where you have to deal with the inner workings of your mind. And I'm like, what? But I thought I was, where so, so am I? So we're going from Wolfenstein to Amnesia to Silent, Silent Hill. Hill. So it's like, pick your mini game at this point. And yes, it basically, you just keep somersaulting through which video game am I knocking off this time? And then after all that wild, zany, uncanny valley stuff, you're immediately having to deal with some very serious topics. I can't explicitly say them, but they are rather explicit. Bit of a trigger warning for quite some people. We're given no warning for this. And it just brings the tone way down. It gets a lot more grim, deals with a lot more serious dark matters. And that's okay to be in a game. Dark... Dark topics are okay, but you can't go from super zenny, wild, crazy, like, roller coaster ride to grim, serious. Like, I nearly, like, twisted my head 360 degrees around from the amount of whiplash I received. Yeah, it sounds like the equivalent of playing a Ratchet and Clank game, and then randomly in the middle of the game, they've just cut part out and put Doki Doki Literature Club in it, but only, like, the first act. Pretty much, and... And then when you push past the main story, there are a lot of side characters and a lot of side elements where you start to realize 
The makers and writers of this game have some very problematic interests. And I can't get too into it. If you guys want full details on it, just watch um, video documentaries on Fallout New Vegas Frontier. But I will say, the writers could not keep it in their pants. Hellaciously so. It was oh. all over the place and a lot of special interests of their own tastes, which I will say, for lack of a more uh, cleaner word, so was not, implemented. So it's not only in the video game section, in the different... It's not... Let me just get my words together here. With the various games that they've taken their stuff from, you can get an eye of their tastes from that, and then it's also... You could tell a bit about them by their side character choices also. Yeah, it's kind of like a really bad self-insert crossover fan fiction. Oh. So huh. if that and so but like mechanically they implemented cars, vehicles, like really cool like quick time events in a Fallout game of that engine, they managed to do it. And Yikes. like all this really cool stuff, but it was undermined by really bad writing and sometimes like the cinematic elements got a little jarred, like so it, poor pacing, and bad also, writing, and also sometimes it's but a Bethesda engine. Bethesda engines aren't always reliable, so some like one of the guys is like, "Oh, this cool cinematic where this guy shoots the other guy. He missed, and now he's just standing there." And um, game <clears throat> soft locked. Yeah, so that happens. Oh, I should go back to playing more Skyrim. It's like mm. when you get the the dramatic bow kill. You've got the slow-mo shot from Skyrim. Oh, it it's follows about, the arrow as it goes. And then it misses and it's just off over the horizon. And it still follows the arrow. It's like, yeah, and then you, snap you back really to the, screwed up. So you play a character <laughs> and there's already an axe an inch from your head and you're like, oh no. <laughs> but um, bad writing, good mechanics, but Adam. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to be the uh, devil's advocate today. I've just got bad games. So bad writing, bad gameplay, bad Everything. rep. <laughs> um, we're going to start off with a really well-known one, uh, Aliens Colonial Marines. Oh, <laughs> I don't think Gearbox will ever forget that. Oh, no. No, no, no. So <laughs> they tried to do it, but they screwed up the writing because they promised that it would work in line with all the pre-game uh, Cannons. All and the movies. And all stuff. the movie lore and stuff. And then they retcon to character death. and Retcon to character death, and it doesn't align with any of the other movies whatsoever in the timeline. So that was just a broken promise straight off the bat. Then their demo, they showed it to be pretty perfect. High quality graphics, great AI, great writing for one. So that was a lie. And then they downgraded for consoles and PC. <laughs> and the enemy AI didn't work because of a typo. Surprisingly, yes. A typo found by uh, someone during, in 2018 in July uh, found a typo in the code that fixed the alien's AI, so they actually made sense. Like, a, a little bit. I, if I'm not mistaken, the part of the AI was to do with the alien's naturally very jumpy mobile movements, going from wall to wall, up behind attack. Yeah, that was also in the movies. They were a lot more agile rather than in the game as they were. They ran at you like a marine would. Yeah. They just ran at you and just go. <laughs> uh, that's, I I'm, I love the Xenomorph franchise and yeah, now that's a very poor display on how they play out. Mm. Yeah, the only good part about it was a single level, and it was you had no weapons, so you couldn't fight back. 
you had to sneak everywhere because these they mutated they always do okay these ones they had no eyes no way to see it but they could hear you and they'd explode oh. when they get close enough oh, that's and they were good. jittery it was, it's freaky <laughs> that's good when there is a change of change of pace for the better through. Yeah. yes but then they give you get back your guns halfway through the level it's like what well, well you had half that. of a good level why don't just keep it for the rest I mean, and then there's Frontier going through five mechanics in about a seeding of an hour. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pacing is key. Yeah. If Pacing you is very much in, key. If you want to put in a real change of pace like that, going from going from fighting being the main focus to stealth being the main focus, you need to know when's the best place to put it hmm. for you it to have that maximum effect. You also need to make sure your effect. stealth mechanics are decent. Yeah, <coughs> oh, d- I, I love the Spider-Man games, but the MJ and Miles sections in the original PS4 Spider-Man. I mean, I found them enjoyable as a change of pace. They got tiresome towards the end, but the yeah. best one was obviously Mary m- as MJ in the train station. You could direct Spider-Man and go, okay, get him yeah. here. <laughs> get him. At which point you're just playing Assassin's Creed. <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're not wrong. I was trying to think. Of, yeah. no, that's then, the closest way. And even then, Assassin's Creed's stealth mechanics can be kind of hit or miss depending on the game you're playing. I remember one of the ones I so I watched Zero Punctuation, mm-hmm. and he made a comment on that very topic for Assassin's Creed Four, transitioning from being the ultimate pirate on the high seas, blowing everything up without a hint of subtlety, to okay, I'm going to hide on this bench for five minutes and then hope no one sees me as I walk edgily down the street following this one man. <laughs> but if I move a step too close, that everyone was, turns and shoots. Those were the worst sections of South Creek games, the oh, tail, yeah, yeah. tailing missions. Because mm-hmm. you'd find a perfect spot, and then you'd keep following them, then they turn around for no reason. It's like, what? <laughs> I had the perfect spot. I seem to remember a similar comment in that Zero Punctuation video about about uh, pressing a button at the wrong time, kind of leading you to roll out of whatever haystack you were hiding behind just, <laughs> just to be like, ta Five guys sort of look at you and go, wait a minute. <laughs> Must have been the wind. When you sneeze at the most inopportune moment. <laughs> oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone knows you are, even all of China knows you're here now. <laughs> but, um, so in line though, so yeah, you got... Great writing, but bad. I know. So we got bad writing, great gameplay, bad. Bad game. But what about you, Blake? You so, said you had something bad, like good writing. Yeah, really, a really well written and paced game called Outer Wilds. I wouldn't say it's got bad gameplay. It's got simple gameplay. Nothing wrong with simple. Mm. It's it's like a it's basically a walking simulator. There's no gunplay, but it plays around with concepts like quantum mechanics oh. and solar cycles. And the heat death of the universe. Well, that's just that just real went quick. real deep, <laughs> real quick, and I was not ready for it. So the premise of the game, and this isn't even much of a spoiler if you watched a couple days ago the um, Nintendo Direct, because they openly stated the premise of the game in the Nintendo Direct. Just in case anyone would complain about the matter, yes, it has been openly declared on what the game's about. Yes, mm. you are trapped in a time loop after. Something occurs in the early game. I don't want to spoil it too much because it's a very story-heavy game. And the purpose of the story is trying to figure out what's causing the supernova of the star in your home system. 
you have 22 minutes. I thought it was 22 minutes. I was just about to say that. No pressure or anything. Yeah. <laughs> Bill Murray saves the universe in 22 minutes. Yeah, every 22 minutes. It sounds minutes. like Zelda Majora's Mask with less time and Actually, more of an issue. The oh. only, <laughs> like, every 22 minutes, the core star goes supernova and you die, you wake back up on the first planet and you just go off and you have to try and figure out what's going on. Each of the planets has its own set of rules. Oftentimes they also have an NPC on them, identifiable if you use your little scanner by what instrument they're playing. Oh, I've listened to some of the soundtrack and it's nice. It's nice. Yeah, Relaxing so sounding for a beautiful. game about the end of the world. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, you've got to be relaxed in really tense situations, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I, one that I remember is I think a character called Feldspar plays the harmonica, but went missing years ago. But for some reason, there's this odd alien-looking mound on the home planet, and people say they can hear his harmonica from it, Mm, despite the fact that it is only about the size of, say, a small car. And if you shoot your little camera through it, your little scout drone, you find that it's a lot bigger on the inside. Suddenly, there's two signals from your scout, one in the hole and one from out in the solar system at large, and it's coming from a planet that was blown apart by an alien f- fungus. Alrighty, this is getting more and more wild. This is yeah. alrighty then. Seriously, you give me some time, and at some point I might be back on a future episode telling you about my experience of the game. Well, it's on Switch. Yeah. Oh, it is. Yeah, nice. that's why it was an e- that's why the premise was spoiled on the Nintendo Direct. Okay. I've seen it I've seen it on Steam a few times. Not been considering buying it, but hmm. now that I have a Switch, I might do yeah. it that way when but it yeah, comes out. Sometimes games that are like really simple but have really great writing really can stand the test of time oh, in comparison yeah. to yeah. a lot of our more action-based games. Oh, uh, there was a Ah, oh, this was years ago now. But there was a one Markiplier did. I think it was like this dragon we call Cancer or something like that. Oh, damn. That dragon cancer. That's what it was. Thank you, Blake. Mm-hmm. That was an emotional roller coaster, and it was just so well written for what it was. It was so only about a 10-minute game, but it was just perfect. Yes. Mm. Yeah, simple games with just, with just really emotional storytelling. Mm. First things that come to mind for me are the Sigmund Corp series, To the Moon and Finding Paradise. They they hit me in the heart big time, those ones. <laughs> I, I haven't finished To the Moon yet, personally. Well, you should mm. at some point. But I, I do know the premise of the games going being about delving through memories of people on their deathbed to change their perceptions of their lives so they can die believing their dreams have been fulfilled oh so you just become dr sleep pretty much yikes yeah yeah wow Uh, though speaking of well not even speak that was a weird thing i was trying to transition into we appear to be out of time for this segment sorry um quick note though if any of you guys want to debate on whether you find game mechanics to be more imperative or game writing to be more impactful let us know on facebook or any other social media platforms we're on yeah, sounds like fun. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. Um, up, the next song up now is Attention by the Nightbreakers. This is 106.9 Tune FM and, U- and Uneg's radio show. Here we go. One second. It's like I'm frozen. 
Hello and welcome back once again to the U- to the Unix Radio Show on 106.9 Tune FM. As a connecting thread from the last segment, this segment will be about our personal preferences in terms of video game design and a bit of a ramble on some of our favorite indie games. Uh, so personally, just me, I, I'm willing to forgive a game's mechanics to a degree if the characters and story are good. So, like, a personal example for that where it's had, like, to a degree lackluster mechanics but really good story and characters is Undertale. Very simple in a gameplay stance until you get to, like, late game bosses. <laughs> um, but I feel some animosity here, Blake. <laughs> oh, I have some animosity indeed. Kate can vouch. I was stuck on one sans the skeleton for approximately nine months. This is where this is where I usually make the joke about being the third wheel in my relationship. <laughs> <laughs> Me, her, and the skeleton. Well, you got some skeletons in the closet, dude. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, and it's basically where I got my now love of puns from. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> but yeah, um, my history with Undertale is pretty simple. Uh, I saw, I believe it was Jacksepticeye or Markiplier's playthrough of The Ruins and decided I would not watch anything else and bought the game. Um, So I already knew about the ability to defeat the ruins without killing anyone. I did not. (laughs) (laughs) Guessing you did a neutral run first. Uh, Rest in peace, Goatmop. Kate bought the game. Kate bought the game on a slight suggestion for me and listening to the opening music. Uh, And she she murdered the Goatmop. And no. uh, I never let her forget it. She no. also beat she beat Asgore before me, but I beat Flowey first. Mm-hmm. And she had quite a laugh when she was watching me fight Flowey because she was just on her computer. Shadowfire 13 has started Undertale. Shadowfire 13 has started Undertale. Shadowfire For 13 cons- has started Undertale. For explanation, when you lose to that boss, it forcibly closes your game window. <laughs> So you have to fire it up again. It alt F4s. It alt F4s you. Wow. Yeah. And it it was fun. Honestly, I really appreciate, like, forced game closures as a mechanic. When Mm. games fiddle around with what games should and shouldn't be able to do and mess around with fourth wall and stuff like (laughs) that, that's... Hmm. We just, I love that. We talked about a yeah. uh, previous yeah. game that does something similar, uh, Doki Doki Literature, Literature Club. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. Uh, <laughs> oh, I, I keep, got a yeah, mind of spoilers yeah. and stuff. Keep mind of spoilers. That messes with your computer a little bit. Oh. Does it uh, do any spoilers or anything? <laughs> oh, this isn't spoilers. Okay. Um, so I was playing through it. Kate was giving me some slight advice to try and save my soul from the suffering. I didn't listen. And at some point, the game bugged out. So I deleted it and reinstalled it. I trashed it, right? Deleted the entire file, opened it up, and it remembered where I was in the game. (laughs) (laughs) It was a fresh unzip. (laughs) I don't know how. It probably embedded a memory on the computer. It could be cloud saved, actually. That too. Cloud saving. That is freaky. freaky, Because it was already getting to the weird part. Mm. And then the game remembered where I was after I autoclaved it and reinstalled it. You're not allowed <laughs> to forget, games, Blake. Of yeah. all the games to be the equivalent of living out a real-life crappy 
um, whoops, sorry. <laughs> oh, that, that, trashy, one's fine. that one's fine. Trashy, creepy pasta, Doki Doki Literature Club might as well be one. Yeah. Except it's actually really well written. Yeah, yeah. it is good. It um, is good. Well, kind of makes written, question a well, lot of morals. Written. I think, like, yeah. one of the great things about indie games is when they start to question just the player itself mm. and not yeah. deep stuff more of just like y- you know your decisions have consequences right yeah another really good example of that though it's not indie is spec ops the line Ooh, that's a lot of spicy spicy stuff yeah the oh. yep. i'll in in a minute you guys go <laughs> yeah oh, yeah um, i was just gonna say like spec ops the line is a deconstruction of military shooters and their sort of very macho gung-ho oh attitude to the point where it will actively berate you for doing the things the game forces you to do to proceed Hmm. including one scene relatively early in the game and it's quite an old game so i don't feel super bad spoiling it um you bomb what you believe to be an enemy encampment with a Geneva illegal chemical weapon called white white phosphorus yeah white phosphorus yeah yeah. and Mm. it's just like it turned out to be a room full of civilians hiding from you Oh, the, uh, things that can really shake the player to their core is, mm. yeah, that's what Undertale and Doki Doki bring to the table. Yeah. I'm not sure how much I like the idea of players being punished for choices they are forced to make. I feel like that's something that would get on some people's nerves. I think Whereas the idea... It's, it's good, wh- it's good yep. when done well. Yep. But I can definitely see the way in which it would get on some people's nerves. I think the idea they were going for with Spec Ops was to say war isn't as good as we thought it was. Like the propaganda they had originally, they said, "Oh yeah, come to war. It's like the best way to become a man. You mm. get to protect your country and save your world." And it's like, I think it was just well, a here's the satire. that too. And, and, and the here's the what the real picture: you don't have you don't fight the just the enemy. You mm. bomb civilians. You take them out. You yeah. really mm. suffer. And it's like. This and, brings to light what actually happened. And another happens. important thing with um, how Spec Ops was delivered in terms of how it did its beration of player choice was that it wasn't berating you for the choices you did with no alternative. It was berating you for the choices you took without thinking. Ah, uh, okay. And the nature of the fact that when playing a war shooter or just about any first or even third-person shooter, you mow down the enemy with no real thought. Mm. And that's what it was um, (laughs) talking about. Yeah. So on lighter topics with the indie games. um, (laughs) Kate, you have one? Yes. uh, This is an absolute tone whiplash. (laughs) Oh, hello, Frontier. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, an indie game, if I remember correctly, One Shot, which is... Hmm. Well, basically, yeah. The prem- the premise is uh, set on the Steam page, so I can say it. Basically, small alien child creature is taken from their world into a dying world without a son. Oh. And it is your job as the player who takes on the role of this world's deity to communicate with this character and guide them along their journey and as the story goes on you get attached to this little character and you get to make different dialogue choices as you get to know them and guide them along their way and in the end you in the end you have to make some choices and yeah and there's there's that choice at the end that is 
very hard to make. Midway through um, last year's lockdown, I was playing through One Shot myself after taking a bit of a break from it because other games came up. And um, Kate was staying with me at the time, and she got to watch as I sat for about half an hour deliberating on the final choice. Because there's no middle wow. option. There is no middle option. I'm not mm. going to say what the choice is, but it's very much one or the other, and both of them suck. Yeah, However, there is a... Uh, let me think. What, what would you what would True you call ending? It? Yeah, that's it. Hmm. There's a true ending, which you can go to after you complete the one, one of the main endings, which allows you to make a middle road choice. But well, that hits you in the emotions in some ways as well. Uh, one thing I remember you told me about it is that it doesn't canonize either ending, but is vague enough in how it changes that it'll punch you in the throat no matter what. Oof. Yes. Hmm. Yes. Um, oh, yeah, no, God. Like, indie games really do have their writing together. I mm. think it's yeah. just like, though, because of the fact they don't have the luxury of large st- uh, larger studios, they can't get mm. the mechanics down. Mm. Yeah. Um, though, one game that I've played that's technically classified as indie as its in single independent company is um, Genshin Impact. Uh. I just noticed you checking your mic distance. That was my rock-on gesture, not oh. me actually telling you to move away from the mic. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. um, um, but yeah, no, Genshin Impact, uh, done by MiHoYo Studios, uh, Otaku Tech Saves the World. Um, yep, also known for their mobile game um, Honkai Impact 3. So they have a few games under their belt, and some people would say they're on a main state um, like game, but technically they're an independent game. Hmm. They're self-published. Uh, sort of like Double Fine and those groups, like not part of an, a larger group, but large enough that they are known similarly to those groups. Yes, and they've got a couple of projects under their belt. I personally haven't played them, but their work on Genshin Impact, which is a mobile MMO, well, not MMO, more just RPG and a gacha. Uh, gacha is hell. Just, yeah. But this one is very moral in its business practices in comparison to a lot of others, which I will not name. Um, Mostly because the list is too long. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and um, But playing it, the gameplay is really solid. Just a lot of combination of, this is a character. They are this element and use this type of weapon. But every character has a different ability and has a different ultimate ability. And it can change up how their role plays. It's like, oh, this character is an Electro Claymore, and this character is an Electro Claymore. But this one's really aggressive and just rips into the enemy. This one's really defensive and helps tank the enemy. Yeah, I use, I've played both of them myself. <laughs> and sorry to keep interrupting, man. No I know worries. it's annoying you. <laughs> go, go. Uh, yeah, um, I personally am not a fan of the hyper-aggressive one because I, I don't tend to play very hyper-aggressively with those slower weapons. I tend to play more aggressively with faster weapons. So I pulled the um, Wind Element Spearman recently, and I play very aggressively with him. Uh, yeah, no, and that's the thing that's great about this game. It's like it every character, and it's like some people are like, oh, but you got to roll for them. The game is very giving, mm. and the game gives you like a whole bunch of characters to play with to begin with. And the way you can get materials to get more characters is very accessible, and you don't have to pay a cent. Um, but the way it's also written, um, each character has friendship levels. It's like, oh, whatever, do I spend time and do I just bond with my anime waifu? No, <laughs> actually, you get to learn more about each individual character and their entire story. And 
there are about 10 chapters per character. Oh, it shows wow. how much effort they put into writing. Because there's a very small cast of characters, and they only ever really slowly release new characters, which I think personally is the best way to go about it in terms of both creating a character and balancing them for mechanics. Gives the audience lots of time to get attached, too, I suppose. Yeah, you, you get to be really attached to this small, tight-knit group. And look forward to new content as it comes out, and you get to yeah. slowly yeah. learn and more about And it polishes each, each time. Mm, but, um, that's good. One thing that I personally find the most amazing with Genshin is that, um, and I'm, this might be a topic for another week's episode, dumb segment, but representation of cultures in games and good representation because Genshin currently two regions, Mondstadt and Liwei. Mondstadt is a representation of a medieval Germanic state. So not medieval Germany, because there was no medieval Germany, um, mm-hmm. but probably maybe Prussia, I should say. Um, and it's like, and the architecture, the culture, the way the, like how the people work and run and like how they live about their lives. Like, yeah, you can see that clear European medieval society. Whereas you go to Liwei, it's like ancient China. Just like the culture is there, the architecture is there, the beliefs, and like the way the game writes its own mythologies and cultures and yet they seem to mirror and parallel their real-world counterparts in yeah. a nice way. Is That sounds good. It For me, who's ch- half Chinese, it's really nice to see some very genuine representation of that culture. Mm, um, that sounds really I did nice. notice something along the t- lines of that um, display of the native, not native, like the natural culture of the representation showing that. So I've been playing through Liu Wei's story. And the physical form you see their god take is a Chinese dragon. Yes, which is also known as one of the, like, a sort of protector spirit of yeah. China. Which is quite reminiscent of how that divine character treats that land, though I don't understand his nature fully like I do with the wind element one. Ah, um, Barbados. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we also know that there's five other nations minimum that are likely also going to have these influences um we already know that one of them the snow region of course uh Mm. is going to be based um heavily on russia and we've already actually met a few characters from there and we can already see from their outfits and attire that they have that sort of eastern european medieval kind of garb which is really nice you guys are genuinely starting to win me over to this game i was (laughs) like originally i i hear i hear gotcha and i'm and i'm backing away slowly but but you're talking about these stories and these character design elements and i was watching blake play the other day and he had his little guy whose name started with z and he had wings and he was Climbing up mountains and jumping and stuff. It, it's and fun. Um, and hey, look, if you don't want to get into the game because of certain things, it doesn't mean you can't appreciate the game from afar. Mm. Yeah. And I mean, I'm I'm generally I'm generally good with gotcha. Like I generally don't I don't spend money on it. The mm. game is very ethical with its gotcha, which is something else worth touching on. The fact they have a m- bit of a pity or mercy system. Um, oh. A guarantee for high tier characters with every ten roll and high tier for higher tier at every ninety, and it's like it might seem like a lot. The fact is, is that it'll be a pleasant surprise when you just suddenly, like you know, roll and you're like, oh, hello, and, and yeah. in the same vein, you are never uncertain if you pull enough that you're going to get who you're looking for. 
because the main focus of that banner if your max tier character is not him the first time it will be the second time you pull a max tier okay so i yeah. will I'll, I'll nod and pretend that I understood all of <laughs> no, that. No, um, <laughs> Just smile and wave. Yeah. And the game, and I will, okay, I'll name it. Freight, Fate Grand Order can, is just go swell itself because honestly, like, there are so many times where I've seen people play it and they've been locked out of progression because they don't have a specific character. Mm. And that is very, very morally bankrupt to me. Whereas Genshin, they give you each a character for every single scenario. Um, That's good. More or less, though, as of right now, there is no free-to-access Earth character. Noelle. Noelle's not free. You can spend those. No, no, but the thing is is that she's a half-priced role and she's always guaranteed. Also, the Traveler. Excellent point, yes. My apologies. There's that also. Um, You can modify the element of your player character. Yes, yeah, so if you ever need a specific element and you haven't had the fortune of pulling a character, they made sure that every time you go to a new region, you have access to a new element to make your player character, and they always provide all the things that your player character will need to upgrade themselves. Yeah. Which element do you guys find the most fun to play as? So far, there's only two for the player Aww. character. Okay. Uh, Animo, which is wind, and Geo, which is earth. Personally, I have I play with Animo a lot more, though I'm getting used to Geo myself, mostly because my Geo one is, I think, a little stronger. Um, personally, uh, I don't usually use my Traveler a lot. I l- usually just have four characters that I really enjoy. Um, I find, though, myself having a lot of fun... It's hard to say which element because the way the game plays is that you juggle between elements, uh-huh, and that's okay. one of the things I really like. Mm-hmm. I like playing Electro and Pyro together because when they meet, it's a very large explosion. Oh, <laughs> that sounds fun. But yeah. um, Hydro Cryo is also good since it freezes enemies, and it can just be very fun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we were running an event together a couple days ago. Cheesed an entire level by just lining both walkways with nothing but water and ice, and they were just not going anywhere. Very nope. good. Anyway, though, uh, have you got any other indie <laughs> games you've played, Adam? Um, so when I look for indie games, I I personally look just for visuals. I'm a very visual person when it comes to gaming. That's mm. another thing. I, some, I sometimes just great. stand there in version games, just looking at the skyline, just going, "This this has come far away. This is yeah. this, this is good." I'm happy with this moment in time. Sometimes AAA studios really don't put effort into their graphics. Like, no. they put it into their graphics, but not in, in the wrong illustrations. Like, yeah. Nice yeah. skies. Unlike The Witcher 3. Just so you good. just pour, stop anywhere, just look at the skyline, you're like, they cared. They nice. cared about the world. Mm. But, um, so um, but in any game-wise, I think Hollow Knight has the best visuals, for oh, me at least. That is like a storybook unfolding it, before yeah. your eyes. Mm. As no, your character doesn't talk. He just sort of walks around, does his own thing. Oh, he's so adorable. He is. He's very adorable. Yeah. Um, but you interact with all these people, and they just have their own viewpoints, and you follow their stories, and they help you sometimes. But then you just stop in some of the levels, and you're like, I well, really enjoy this aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Just well, damn, that is really <laughs> impressive. That's and some mildly pretty hard skyline. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, but, just, and as they, they change as you go along, so mm-hmm. more corruption happens in certain levels. The higher up you go, but lower you down, it's more archaic and obviously dark. And mm-hmm. different animals obviously live down there. A lot more scary ones. <laughs> <laughs> 
but they're still visually appealing as enemies. No, not not deep nest. Deep nest can um burn. Yeah, <laughs> as someone who orbit. has played very little Hollow Knight because I'm not great at platformers. <laughs> <laughs> Metroidvania is I still, I still appreciate, I still really appreciate what I saw. It's mm. good. It's pretty. It's just such a visually appealing game to me. Mm. I think that can always yeah. always be a good measure of a good game, and that is that even if you aren't the one playing it, you are entertained by it. Mm. That's the thing. you got to be entertained by the game for it to be a good yeah. game. Mm. Mm. Honestly, I'm really looking forward to what Team Cherry is working on now, oh. which is Hollow Knight Silk Song. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I saw a gameplay of that, and I was it so was happy for it. sequel? It was originally like going to be a DLC, but is now a sequel of its own right. Oh. Though we don't know if it's set after, during, or before Hollow Knight. It could yeah, be a exciting. paralogue, which is a side, like a simultaneously occurring story. I don't know mm. if they'll be able to work because the main character is in the main story of Hollow so Knight. It's Hornet. It's Hornet. But the thing Hornet. is that Hornet is only like there partially, and there's uh. in between gaps. So yeah, we but don't know. he's following you the entire story. We, yeah. It could be an eclectic mix of all three. Could True. be, could be ah, a bit of so, flashbacks. So, like what, um, like what those little smaller releases for little nightmares were. That would have been a parallel. Updates? Mm-hmm. No, no. So there was, so there was the main little nightmares, and oh, then there was those um, little three split-off episodes. Vignettes. I forget what they were called, but they followed the vignettes. story of another child who you pass by early on in game. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So a paralogue, yes, yes, being like. It happened at the same time, but we're now seeing the entire occurrence of events from a different perspective. And the way that yeah. those stories intertwine. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I, I'm not sure where it's going to sit in the lore. It could be a paralogue. It could be... It could be a pre-para sequel. Yeah. Sort of like, so it's before she met the Hollow Knight, and then in between the Hollow Knight's adventure, then post-Hollow Knight adventure. Yeah. Though it, it's also hard to tell, like, where it takes place in, because it's said in lore that if you leave Hollow Nest bugs will tend to lose their memory. Um, but yeah. it doesn't appear to be set in Hallow Nest. It's set in a place called Farloom. P-H-A-R-L-O-O-M. Well, this might turn into a very interesting development. And mm-hmm. depending on the ending you get, which, well, the true ending in Hollow Knight, I don't think it'll be a sequel. <laughs> it has multiple mm. endings? So Depending on what you do. Lovely. There's punch the boss in the face, punch them in the face slightly differently, punch them in the brain... Punch Whack their the dreams in the brain, or punch their dreams that are on the brains. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Out of context, this sounds absolutely wild. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we might be able to give you a bit of an explanation during the break because I think we're running a little long now. So, um, up next we've got "Hot in the City" by Billy Idol. This has been one hundred six point nine Tune FM and the Unegs Radio Show. Yeah. 
days are cold and the cards all fold and the saints we see are all made of gold when your dreams all fail and the wounds we hail are the worst of all and the bloods run stale i wanna hide the truth i wanna shelter you but with the beast inside Left wrist, all the mark, PK, right wrist, whipping the whip on the stove. 
You don't care about fame, you just trying to get rich on the low. Show up, show up, see us pull up, pull up, back out, pull up. Got him running, running, running. roll up. Roll the front of your right. Make that roll up. We're supreme, see what I mean. Show up, show up, see us pull up, pull up, back out, pull up. Got him running, running, running. Make roll up. Roll the font over here, right? Make that roll up. We are supreme, see what I mean? Me and the team, running up, hitting up, sending up, get them on impact. Pull up on scene, have them all looking, we stun, no, can I forget that? Gather my niggas, the real main. Look in the mirror, see who you are. All of this evil that's in my way. I pray to God, we're over arms. No can't trip, get grip. Hands all over these chips, watch this flip. No see, I ain't no bitch when I'm bit. I pull it with chicks, the man in the mid. See, I'm not dwelling on that. Focus on running these last believe. Who could it be? Why am I feeling so hell is the devil in me? Who do you hear me call? Hey, who do you hear me call? Hey, never lost, pay for me. Hello and welcome back to the UNE Gaming Society radio show on 106.9 Tune FM. In our final ro- section for tonight, we are going to be talking about some childhood classic games. So, um, who would like to start us off for the final section of the game before the weekly plug? I'm getting a very <laughs> deafening <laughs> silence. Uh, Fine, alright, uh, I'll do it. I was going to start then. <laughs> oh, not everyone speak up at once. <laughs> yeah, everyone wants to start. Uh, Blake, you're first. <laughs> okay, then. Sure. Um, so I got a bit of a mix, like some from relatively early childhood and some from like my early to mid-teens. Um, I'll probably start from the later ones back because... Uh, at least more people will know the games. So when I was in my early to mid-teens, my favorite games were the second Infamous game, mm-hmm. so Infamous 2, though I never got the Vampire DLC, <laughs> um, and Mass Effect 2 and 3, all on the PS3. I could never play Mass Effect 1 because it never actually came out on PS3. Really? <laughs> yeah. Huh. Which is why I'm actually really looking forward to the remasters coming out later this year because it will be a aesthetically remastered version of the entire original trilogy ready for Mass Effect 4 to come out. Nice. Um, oh, so they're trying to sweep and drum around the rug saying, yeah, that never happened. <laughs> I, I think it's still canon, but just... Everyone just forgot about just it. off in the distance. <laughs> that's uh, that, that's Cousin Jeremy. We, we don't talk about him very often. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, I remember... Also, Assassin's Creed, namely, like, the Assassin's Creed 2 trilogy... Oh, my guy. ...were quite <laughs> big for me. Because um, I actually got Assassin's Creed 2 and Mass Effect 2 and 3 as gifts from a friend. Um, completely unprompted. He gave me Ma- Assassin's Creed 2, I think, for my birthday or for Christmas. 
and um, it was one of the first times a friend had, like, so this wasn't like a school friend. This was someone that my mum had met through my sister's friend's mother's daughter. <laughs> All right, then. Because it was good. her husband. Wow. And um, he and I had very similar tastes. I actually borrowed his copy of Skyrim, and that was my first time playing a Bethesda game. It was also my first time playing a COD game because I borrowed his copy of Black Ops 2. And later that year, he gave me Assassin's Creed 2 for Christmas, the first time someone I didn't really know had bothered to get me a Christmas present, so it, it's very nice memories there. And he also gave me his copy of Mass Effect 2 and 3 because he just wasn't playing them anymore. So I have very fond memories of that. And the earliest games I remember playing are like some of the early Spyros, but one of the only games I played as a kid that I'm still playing now is Dragon Fable. The game is 10 years old and has been updated once a week without fail for that entire 10 years. My god, schlock mercenary, eat your heart out. <laughs> yeah, it is one of the flagship games of Artix Entertainment, alongside their new game Adventure Quest 3D, which is a World of Warcraft-style MMO, oh. and Adventure Quest Worlds, which is a more standard Adventure Quest Fair MMO hmm. with a subscription system, same as a lot of their other games. Though I don't think 3D has a subscription system yet. Fingers crossed. Yeah, they're, they're, they're very good with their subscription systems. It's, a, it's like you buy it once and then you have it forever, right? Yeah, it's not a monthly subscription at least. Oh, well, that's, oh, that's, oh, that's, that's way bottom. Oh, then that's not a subscription. That's yeah, it's a it's like a premium version purchase. Yeah, it's though just, I believe Adventure Quest Worlds is a WoW style subscription, but notably cheaper. Well, I mm. thank God for that. Yeah. Um, so I remember I first bought my Dragon Amulet for Dragon Fable when I was about sixteen or seventeen. But you'd been playing the games for like years before that. Yeah, I actually set my account up for the first time um, back in year two or three. So my third or fourth year of public school, primary school, um, in a meeting with the school counselor, because I had had a bit of a, a bit of a snap at someone, and I was told to get anger management sessions, and I was just babbling, and I set my account up, just off her email for some reason. I was a weird kid, <laughs> and it took me about twelve, not twelve years, like six to eight years to actually get around to changing that account to my email address. <laughs> Just get so emails like, for she, a game you don't play. Yeah, does Why she, is this did, happening? Did she get updates? <laughs> Maybe. She probably, she probably just ignored them. Also, like a phone call. Hey, miss, I forgot my password. Like, <laughs> you can check your email, please. <laughs> oh, God. And the funniest thing is uh. I got my na character names censored, basically. Like, I couldn't use um, edgy names for, like, my edgy 12 years. Oh when I God. made my first character <clears throat> because she didn't think it was appropriate because <laughs> <laughs> I was making it in front of a teacher. You were robbed of your edgy freedom. Oh, yes, wow. exactly. What a tragedy. It's horrifying, isn't it? Speaking of edgy, so Adam, what was your challenge? <laughs> I don't like you looking at me, but it's totally warranted. Um, <laughs> so I, I was a little tight growing up. I had an older brother who always played games as well, and he had a big collection going. But um, my best childhood memory of a game was probably um, a game called Overlord. Oh. 
Yeah, it's an old 2005 game, and you're pretty much the bad guy. <laughs> nice. I've played that. It's fun. It is so much fun. Um, you're the bad guy who has just been, I think it was asleep for 10 years. You asleep or comatose for 10 years. but then you didn't. Something like Standard that. Standard bad guy affair. Um, yeah, but the heroes who defeated you became the cardinal sins. So, oh, like, the right. halfling became the gluttony one who was 10 feet tall and 10 feet wide. <laughs> Uh, the knight was, was now lustful, I want to say. He, oh, he was a um, he was no, a cleric. he was pride. He was pride. Oh, because oh, um, yeah. the thief became lust because she wanted to steal everything. No, no, she was envy because she wanted everything. The cleric became lust because you're right. He yep. fell in love with a succubus. In what universe does the cleric become the lust one? When it's ironic mul- when they're multiclassed <laughs> in the bard. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, you you go around building your army back up, defeating these heroes, and gaining gaining evilness or badness depending on how you want to play because there is a very badly implemented I'm going to say moral system you can be the good bad guy or the bad bad guy it's like you're either the bad guy who like you know murders everyone on site where or you could be the dictator of I will maintain an infrastructure but, but you're still enslaved <laughs> you're slaves now memories of when of when you I tried. met Patrick <laughs> oh that's a oh. out of context that's a, <laughs> And okay. Oh dear. Sorry. And um, <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons. Long story. <laughs> but uh, uh, two years after release, I want to say, was it about that? And then raising. Oh, oh yes, raising hell. Yeah, the DLC. It was about two years afterwards, I think. Um, give or take. Give or take a couple years, and um, it pretty much added the hell dimension. Now, in all the previous worlds you've conquered, a new portal opens up, luring all your citizens or slaves, however you want to put it, <laughs> into the hell version of the world. And the heroes have come back as now more puzzle-based enemies rather than enemy enemies. To be honest, Overlord was, in its core, kind of just Pikmin. Yes. Yeah, it was Pikmin, but you were ten feet tall and your minions were about three feet. Yeah. And, and they could pick up Sheep's Head and wears them. Yeah. And like, pumpkins. <laughs> it, it was like a more complicated, grim, dark fairy tale version of Pikmin, and I thought that was amazing. Yes, it was a... Uh, so Pikmin 40k... <laughs> no, Pikmin Fantasy. Different. Pikmin Age of Sigma. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the second one came out, Overlord 2. It sort of retread the same ground, but you were now the offspring of the first game's lord. Mm. Um, and you had to destroy the Empire, which was a militarized empire that's wiping out all the other magical creatures. Very Roman. Very, very Roman. <laughs> it was just Roman bottle. Yeah. And you had to go through that, defeating the Emperor, who turns into a giant magical slug. Because he jumped into their vat of collected magic. I don't get how that works, but... It just works. Don't it just me- works. Don't mess May with I say Jack and magic. Baxter? <laughs> <laughs> yes, except the liquid was blue instead of purple. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert to anyone for those decade-old games. <laughs> um, but after, other than that, I also grew up with the original God of Wars. Oh, I've played amazing. the third one, not any of the others. Oh, the first one was absolutely hu- just hard. I could not beat a certain part in the temple. I couldn't swim fast enough. I had to get my brother to come in, <laughs> and he'd flip a coin in front of me. He's like, "If it okay, heads, I help you. Tails, figure it out." He'd always flip it in a certain way to always land on tails. <laughs> <laughs> he even told me later, "Yeah, I just flipped it. I loaded, flipped it." I was like. You jerk. <laughs> hey, look, you learned. I learned. I still didn't beat it. <laughs> I just moved to the second game. <laughs> I actually beat that one. <laughs> nice. 
Um, yeah. So what about you, Pat? You um, had any classics? <laughs> to be honest, I, I grew up with a lot of the classic strategy games and a few classic RPGs. I guess I'll start off with the RPG. I played Oblivion, the the grandfather, or I guess father to Skyrim. The grandfather would be Morrowind. I played a little bit of that, and God, that was a blur. Sure. But Oblivion <laughs> was... was Oblivion had a lot of memories tied to it, and I forget how old it was until I remembered... You guys remember the Xbox 360? Yes. And how when you press the middle button, instead of a square, you would get the side folders coming out? Yes. Do people remember I, that? I don't yes, remember. I, I do, do. Not, unfortunately. That was how it used to be. Instead of a square where you picked all the options, it would be like this sort of manila folder-looking thing that comes up to the side, and then like when you go through it, like slides different. I do remember that. And that is old. That is, that's how old it was when I was playing. And <laughs> I remember I, my brothers had like all the music up like from their iPod classic. I'm talking screen with a circle and button. Oh, I remember that. They had them. They uploaded all their songs from that. And I remembered I used to obsess listening to Don't Stop Me Now by Queen while running across the plains because, like, (laughs) I didn't have fast travel to this location. Guess I'll run! Don't stop me. And now anything good. And I'd just go in third person, just running along, and then the wolf would come out of nowhere and I'd just beat the crap out of it. Honestly, I'd watch that montage. uh, I'd I'd watch it too. You need to remake this montage, man. Oh, but, like, it was just... It was just me just constantly playing this song on loop. And I remember just any time I think of it, I think of playing Oblivion. And I can't even remember my first few characters. All I remembered was I loved going sword, board, neat mash. And, but I'm really glad the remaster has entered on Steam. I've been playing that recently. Not so much as of late because I've been distracted by other games, but who doesn't? Mm -hmm. Um, Latest character, Paladin. And I didn't cheat, cheat. But I have cheesed the game. It's like, oh, you can make your own spells. So I just made a really cheap spell to max out all my magics. <laughs> and um, she can now make herself like temporarily indestructible, regenerate like crazy, and then just bring the wrath of God with her mace because she's a crusader. But, um, Vault. Yeah. And the, with the strategy games, no one's going to know what the hell I'm talking about. There's this one game, Rise of Nations, Rise of Legends. And it's like fantasy like setting and it's just, like you gotta play as either the the Vinci um the Vinci who are like sort of this sort of Renaissance Italian inspired clockwork steampunk world where like you know giant clockwork robot men and musketeers and like So Da Vinci. Yeah. Just like robot spiders, like like the Da Vinci helicopters with the propellers, like those um spiral propeller things. Assassin's Creed Brotherhood flashbacks. Pretty much that. But then like you would have the Alin, which would be like sort of the Arabian Nights fantasy of like so like jinns and genies, all these different spirits, giant scorpions and crystalline creatures and like dragons of like a very different designs from our usual Western approach. But then there was the Quaddle, which was like sort of those like hello history channel. I guess it was aliens after all. Mm. It's like aliens, but they influenced a small culture of indigenous like jungle folk. And then they kind of became like the Aztecs. But now like if anyone's watched um, Road to El Dorado, and saw the scene where the priest activates that jaguar statue. Oh, yes. That's what the Coatl are like. It's like ancient aliens, but instead of, like, machine and electricity, it's just, I don't know, like, MacGuffin blue energy magic and stone, and they just, like, laser beams and from statues and stuff. And... They uh, all to, sound very fun. Yeah. And to finish off, I'm sure some people have heard, 
the Age of Empire games. Mm. Absolute classic. I've been Classics. looking at getting into them, but I feel like getting into the more recent ones is... Like Age of Mythology is a lot more fun, especially the campaigns. Yeah. And I'm thinking of Civilization anyway. Sid Meier's very different. Uh, mm. um, that's turn-based. The Age of Empires are RTS. And yeah. yeah. Okay, what about you? Well, for me, my childhood games and the games that I have still play, still playing up to this day are the Pokemon games. So I started off probably with <laughs> Pokemon Red or Yellow on the... Um, on the original Game Boy. Oh, God. Original Game Boy running on AA batteries. <laughs> and um, never really being very good at it because, I, honestly, I don't think I could... I don't think I could even really read at the time that I was, be- that I was beginning to play these games. I don't think- need read. Unga Bunga. Charizard go smash! But not even Charizard, right? Nah. Because I had... On Pokemon Red, I remember this vividly. On Pokemon Red, the game was secondhand, so there was already a save file on there, and I was somewhere at the edge of some city, and I had Pokeballs, and Pokemon that were already leveled up. (laughs) I didn't know how to reset the game, so I was just on continue, so I was just running around aimlessly in this place, (laughs) fighting Pokemon, catching Pokemon, and because this whoever had the game before me already had a party of six, whatever I caught went straight to the PC. But I'm like three. I don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> Why is it? Where are all the Pokemon at? Where yeah, did the new so, puppy go? So you like that one meme of the guy in the heavy ballistic armor with the pistol? I don't know why I'm here or what I'm doing, only that I must kill. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> no, yeah. no, no, except for kill, it's catch. Yeah. You gotta catch them all. And, yeah. I, and then, uh, then one of my friends who was a few years older than me and could read reset the game so i actually played the game from the start but oh. then i had no idea what i was doing so i just kind of ran around with charmander or squirtle or whatever and <laughs> kept on restarting the game when i couldn't figure out how to get past um <laughs> whatever it was that i had to get past and yeah that was the beginning of it all and then um then now i have a uh, Pokemon Shield on the Switch, which wow. I have started playing recently. And a lot of backlash on that. A lot Please of backlash refer to Cyberpunk. On that. <laughs> a, a lot of backlash on that, and I could go on about that, but never I'll save that any for another bugs. time. She's mostly yeah. happy because she didn't have to pay for it. <laughs> 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 I gave her my copy because when I got my Switch Lite for Christmas, uh, my folks took the advice of the guy at EB Games and got me both of them. That guy, that guy at EB Games was... Just Making was, money. Yeah. He, yeah. he was a smooth operator. Mm. Mo money, mo yeah. money, mo money. But um, <laughs> speaking of locals and stuff, like, honestly, like, some of the local game shops and that, they can really give you a good deal on those things. Yeah. yeah. My mother got her, um, traded in her Switch Lite for a big Switch over the weekend. Mm. And the people, they were really helpful with setting it up. And That's it was nice. good. That's yeah. nice. Yeah. It's like, though, what would you say out of all the Pokemon titles is your favorite? Oh, um, okay, so I'm going to split it into before the 3D and after the 3D change. So, like, pre-Pokemon X, post-Pokemon X. I was going to say, maybe to make it easier, which is your favorite on main and which is your favorite side game? Okay, so, hmm, so probably the Pokemon game that I, main game that I would go back to most often over the years that I would have the most playtime in 
probably hot gold and soul silver. I've never you actually finished. I've never actually finished it. it to this day because it's got two whole regions in it, and I just never kind of went back to it. But also, Pokemon follow you around, and it's yes, really it's so it's really cute. Ten year old me was absolutely loving that, and can there's all these cute mini games. Please of that. Well, someday, someday, <laughs> I can hope. Why don't they take the place of the Diamond and Pearl remakes, please? <laughs> I want the Diamond and Pearl remakes. And oh. I'm going to assume that was your favorite on main? That was my first gen. Mm, he I, got he got into Pokemon a bit late. I got him yeah. into it. Oh, I got even later. Oh, <laughs> uh, don't worry. I got in the same time as Blake, but my favorite was Platinum. All the way. Platinum's good. Yeah. Black and white. (laughs) Honestly, black and white is good too. It was good. It it was a change. It was, yeah, it changed from the original in the sense that it was all new Pokemon for the whole Mm. start of the storyline. And that made a, I remember that made quite a few of the older fans a bit salty. But but like in hindsight, looking back, in hindsight, (laughs) looking back. It's a really good set of games, and that's how Pokemon's always been. People get cranky about it in the moment, but in hindsight, they love it. Yeah. And as for side games, absolutely. Except for maybe um, the Gigamax thing. That's still a mistake. (laughs) Look, (laughs) look, look. People will be praising that in... I kind of like it. I've seen the patents. I've seen the patents. I've seen people complaining about Mega Revolution... In when did that come out? 2014. People hated oh, it, on, yeah. and now people yeah. look back at it like it was. When's more? Bring more. Yeah, like it was Arceus's gift to yeah. the Pokemon world. As for yeah. side, as for side Pokemon games, Pokemon Mystery Dungeon always oh. good storyline, fun mechanics. Which one? Hmm. My favorite would probably have to be Explorers of Sky. Ooh. <laughs> Yeah, they would have to be Explorers of Sky. And the and Super Mystery Dungeon was good as well, but particularly because you got to travel around to previous like locations that were in previous games. Uh, callbacks are always fun. Yes, and run into the characters who you befriended in those previous games and add them to your team. Nice. It was great. Anyway, si- any of you guys familiar with the side games? Uh, I haven't played many of them. I've played a bit of Super Mystery Dungeon, never finished it. There's always Pokemon Ranger if you want to bust your touchscreen. <laughs> <laughs> ah, speed! Pokemon, speed! Pokemon Dash, let's see. I've got a thing about Pokemon Ranger. Uh, there was a thing where you could unlock a Manaphy in there and transfer to the Gen 4 games. It was like this whole, oh. you press a certain combination of buttons and, then, so cool. there's a, and then it unlocks a secret mission and it was just, like you find it in, you f- a, f- a friend of mine found the cheat code in a Pokemon magazine that he bought from the local news agents. Wow, that's, that's a, a throwback. Yeah, I know, Yikes. right? But the thing was, I never got to do that because my copy of Pokemon Ranger was stolen <gasps> oh, before... No. I could by the uh, friend who no. found it. No, <laughs> <laughs> I must get the code. <laughs> no, it was yeah. stolen, and uh, though it was returned to me, the people who took it reset the game. Oh. So it took me all the way back to the start. And Fast. there's this there's this dumb puzzle where you've got to walk over, you've got to not set off an alarm. I got that game back in 2010. I'm still stuck on that. <laughs> so if any of you want to give a go at getting through oh, this I, stupid puzzle, uh, feel free. I'll, I'll give it a shot at some point. <laughs> to be honest, oh, at I some just, time in the past eight years, I think you already have. 
I no, just, I helped you more through um, Drawn to Life than I did through any of your Pokemon games. Drawn to Life, that was a lot. I just thought oh, of another throwback. Oh? Uh, uh, did any of you have the um, Super Nintendo Entertainment System? <gasps> no. Are you talking about Pokemon Coliseum? No, I'm not, this is not about Pokemon. Oh. This is just about the Donkey Kong Country, the original Donkey Kong Country. Never played it, but holy crap. <laughs> They've I, just I, come back out on um, the Switch Online subscription. So if you want to play it, go through that if you've got the Switch. If not, hmm. I think do the it. first <laughs> console my family ever got was either a Wii or an original like the original Xbox. Oh. We used to rent we used to like rent games for the weekend oh. at the local. Back when video easy was a thing. God. Yeah, it was it was a video oh. easy and you'd like go in Yeah, I'd do that on the weekend get too. Video you get a video game for the weekend, you get the a movie. Simpsons for PS3. <gasps> Simpsons hit and run? No, The Simpsons the video game where it was based around like video game archetypes and it was like a self-aware video game the final boss was a dance dance revolution battle oh yeah God, I don't remember that i only remembered hit and run which is basically uh, gta springfield simpsons gta yeah. <laughs> to what it was it was pg gta i remember yeah. renting pg gta i i visit one time when i was a kid i visited my aunt and uncle and they had an xbox and we rented Spyro a New Beginning, and over the course of three days, sped through that game oh all the way to the boss that is the big train. I don't know what the what's it called. Do any know. of you know? Did any of you play? I you were the New Spyro Beginning. fan. I know. I'm looking for advice. I played Hero's advice. Tale. I played like the original series. Uh. Well, it was a huge train. We'd unlocked all the elements, even Earth, and we never got past the train. Even when we bought the game for ourselves. Never got past it. It was time for Spyro to leave. He had seen <laughs> <Everything>. enough. Speaking <laughs> of time, oh, yeah. we are basically out. Uh, Alrighty. It is 10 to 8. The initial plan was to be finished up like 20 minutes ago. But you well, know, look, time flies when you're playing games. Time flies yeah. when you're talking about old classic games that you fell in love with. Yeah. Mm. So, um... Is there anything else anyone need, wants or needs to cover today before we go through the uh, weekly... Weekly, uh, what's the word? Plugins. Plugins, yeah. Well, um, uh, again, don't forget, everyone, um, on our Facebook page, uh, we'll put up a poll and we'll just throw out some key quintessential aspects of games and you can vote on what you believe to be the most important to you and we'll also include an other in case you want to comment on what you found to be something really important to you that most people don't think about and mm. or maybe if you like a bit of everything tell us what balance you'd prefer yeah um and on that it's time for the weekly plug so it is with great re now rejoice what's the word with great enthusiasm <laughs> i would like to say we are back in business as of next Tuesday. Woo! Starting from 6.30, 7 o'clock through to 10 o'clock roughly, we will have drinks and probably chocolate or something, like individually wrapped chocolates. I think mm. we, our usual price range was three for a dollar. Yeah, that was the price. We will be unable to do barbecue, sadly, due to maintaining COVID, COVID restrictions, but we, have, we are hoping to get the go-ahead to slightly expand operations and bring out the full scope of computers and VR again for this year. Ooh, nice. Um, and to top that off, um, 
if I'm not mistaken, I'm there's probably some events going on at Blackheart Games soon. If it, for like MTG or Warhammer players in yeah, the area, I believe on their Facebook they have the um, timesheet for what every every day is supposed to be. So yeah. if you, we don't we'll update you next week. Yeah, mm-hmm. we'll we update can pull you next week indeed. And um, I'm hoping to have the poll up by, mm-hmm. let's say, midday tomorrow. And that don't works. forget, if you want to listen to our um, inane memory again, this will hopefully be up on Spotify under the UNE Gaming Society podcast channel. Yeah, sorry. Brain just paused for a second. So, that is all for the night. Um, Bye. Enjoy. And talk to you all next week. This has been UNE Gaming Society Radio on 106.9 Tune FM. See ya. Bye. Ciao.
Come on.